Welcome to Hit Subscribe, a podcast by Recharge designed to educate, inspire, and connect the subscription commerce space. On this episode of Hit Subscribe, we're chatting with Reggie Black, CEO of Better Way Health. We chat with Reggie about how Better Way Health excels in providing exceptional customer experiences. We dive in specifically on how their phone support results in doubling AOV and tripling LTV through education, automation, and first-class dedication. Reggie also shares more on their personal touch approach to combating churn and why they're making the switch to go headless on Shopify. So let's get started. Reggie, thank you for joining us. Uh, Thank you for having me, Chase. Pleasure's mine. So I'm super excited to talk to you today. I know there's uh, you have a really cool history in e-commerce. Your background is is very unique. Um, give us a little bit of that info now on uh, on yourself and then on Better Way Health as well. Yeah, so I've I've kind of always been a computer nerd. Been into computers since uh, since I was a kid, and so naturally when I graduated, went to college and got um, an IT degree. So I started off out of school and uh, had started my own IT business. Was doing a lot of like small. Um, small business networking and stuff for plumbers and HVAC guys and, you know, um, any kind of small business. And uh, then picked up a customer called Better Way Health, which is where I'm at now. Um, And they called me in to come and help with some of their IT stuff. So I started off as the IT guy here at the very end of 2010. So I've been here a little bit over at Better Way Health little bit over 11 years, took about three years during that process uh, until I came on board full-time. Very cool. And then define Better Way Health for us. What does, uh, what do they do? So we are a hundred percent online uh, supplement company. We sell dietary supplements. We're really focused on one particular product called beta glucan, which helps uh, boost your immune system. And so we um, obviously, cause we're on the podcast, the recharge podcast, do a lot of subscription uh, focus on subscriptions. Uh, that's been a great part of the business, but, uh, yeah, we sell, we sell supplements D to C. So we're going to dig into some of that, uh, beta glucan talk in a little bit. I know you had a ton of SKUs and you kind of dialed it back into, into one in particular, but, um, you conveniently left out a, a really interesting part of your journey from, <laughs> from it to where you are now. So how did that, how did that process move and, and kind of work your way up the chain? Man, it's a crazy story. I think we could do a separate podcast kind of on that, but, um, I had a customer who had a cabinet company actually, and they referred me to, uh, and knew the, the owners of better way health at the time. So better way, um, called me in, in a position where the person they had running the business had just kind of left. Uh, so there was, um, the guy that started the company, his name is Dave Perkins. He started this business in 1999. So we've been selling online for 22 years now online. Uh, when he passed away, he left the business to his kids, uh, who were not really involved in the company um, at the time, but they had some some people that were running it for him. And uh, there was a whole squabble. They got up and left. And so when I when I walked into the business, um, it was didn't know what I was you know walking into, but it was kind of chaotic. They they didn't know the kids didn't know anything about the company. Didn't know how to process an order, take an order. There was emails and customers. Nobody had been in the office for a couple of weeks. So. Uh, I walked in and they're like, just help us figure everything out. Like, how do we log into our, uh, our shopping cart and how do we take orders and all that? So just started, uh, solving one problem at a time, you know, with them and and helping them get everything back up and running and stuck around. And then what's your current role? Where are you at now? Uh, I am the CEO. I own half the company. So, um, I got a partner now, a different partner now, uh, everything, 
has been a, a great transition. Um, still have a great relationship with the with the kids, and um, but we were able to build the business to a certain point where they wanted to get out of it and was able to bring somebody else to to buy them. Um, and that that whole transaction happened at the beginning of 2020. It was great, smooth. Everybody was happy. Everybody felt like they won uh, in that transaction, which was a unique thing. So basically the way it kind of set up was, you know, 2010 when I came on up until 2013, um, there was some, um, you know, they had made some some other decisions, hired some people that didn't work out. And so in 2013, the business was kind of on the way down, uh, heading in a bad direction. And they're like, hey, Reggie, you know, you're the only one that hasn't screwed us over. So uh, <laughs> how about you, uh, you want to take a risk and see if you can, uh, you know, build this business back. And I was like, sure. So um, came on board full time and had some incentives, you know, to, to grow and earn some ownership in the business sweat equity and did that. And over the next, you know, three, four years was able to earn, you know, uh, equity in the business up to 50%. Super, super cool. And and we, we try to focus a lot on actionable stuff in this podcast and, you know, yeah. what the experience is and how to take that and kind of translate it between different verticals, different businesses, whatever it may be. This one, definitely not actionable. You can't really bank on, you know, being an IT guy coming in and 10 years later being the CEO, but yeah. cool story. Nonetheless, I think it's worthy, worthy of touching on. I think what you can do though is work really hard, you know, with uh, integrity and uh, just treat people right. Yeah. And always make sure when you show up, you're working hard. And that's like, you know, opportunity comes when that, you know, hop, preparation and hard work and, you know, all those things meet in the middle. So I was able to get those opportunities, I think, because of uh, there was a, just a ton of trust that was earned over the years. Love it. Yeah. There, there's a parable in there somewhere about, you know, you always work hard. doesn't matter if you're at the bottom or the top. So yeah, we'll take that. Uh, let's move on to your product. I know that you focus super heavily on the beta glucan, like you talked about yeah. um, in the past, you had had up to like 50 SKUs. Is that correct? How did you figure out how to get down to one? What was that process like? Yeah, that's, we did. When I came on board, we had 50 different products. We were selling not only the beta glucan, but we we're selling, you know, green superfoods and, uh, like canteens and uh, water filters and all kinds of stuff, um, which were all great products. But, you know, when, when we're looking at that, that skew count, uh, not only is there, you know, you have some inventory issues, cash flow issues, all those things, trying to keep all that stuff in stock. But really, you know, my, my main reason for scaling that down was looking at, it was like that 80-20 principle where it's like, okay, 80% of our, our profits and our sales and everything are coming from this product. And just realizing that we can't be experts in everything. Like our, our customer service team, um, it's a very technical, specifically beta glucan is a technical product. Um, and some of these other things are technical as well. And so um, really just, just like, hey, we've got this incredible product here that's got all this you know, research and everything behind it. I think we've got an opportunity to really just like corner this market. And uh, we can't do that well if we're trying to you know, learn everything and sell everything. So we just made a decision to be like, Hey, we want to be known as this, you know, the beta glucan company. And so we took 50 down to four over the course of, I think it was about six months and, uh, and just focused on that. And it's been one of the best decisions we've ever made in the business. So just hyper-specialization. And I know you're back up to what is a seven or eight now, something around there. Yeah, we're up to five now. And then we're coming out with a six product really soon, which is uh, a beta glucan cream. So still focusing around that same product, kind of keeping your niche there and, and just specializing. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. There... Just figuring out how we can put it now into different uh, form factors and different lifestyle products, you know, cause uh, we have pills that people take 
Um, but we really want to meet people a lot of times where they're at too, and, and put it in other factors and looking at, you know, protein powders and coffees and uh, cream and other things that people are using where they can get the benefits of the beta glucan in different ways. Just changing the vehicle. Otherwise it's kind of the same delivery method. Exactly. Gotcha. Very cool. Yeah. Is there, is there a way that you can build a loyal fan base with that many SKUs, or do you think that the real best way to do it, maybe supplements is just a specific vertical, but is there a way to kind of build that community with a giant amount of SKUs and with specializing in a bunch of things, or is the appropriate way to do it, you know, dial in and find, find your real specialty? Um, I, I definitely think you can, because if I'd said you can't, you, I think we could point to some examples of companies that do have, you know, a couple hundred SKUs. Um, it's really hard if you get, you know, more than that, but as long as they're, they're focused, I think in the same category or closely related, uh, people have done that. Certainly. Um, I think it's just easier if you're focused and hyper-focused on one thing to really own that and grow that. Gotcha. You think that a lot of the customers obviously are coming for the same reason. So that value prop is just fluid throughout everything you're offering. Yeah. And when you're creating content and posting and, you know, training, um, all those things, and then even like, you know, cash flow and inventory, just all that stuff gets easier when you only have a handful of SKUs and, and more predictable. Gotcha. Yeah. So you, you brought up customer service really quickly. That's kind of what I want to dial into here. Um, I know that you are really heavy on phone support. Yeah. Um, what's the philosophy about your customer service approach and, and how does that kind of tie into the whole business? Yeah, that's, um, that's a great question. You know, I, I'm really passionate about customer service. Um, always love finding companies that are doing customer service really well. Um, you know, you look at like the Chick-fil-A models um, and the Ritz-Carlton models and those things. Like I'm always looking for companies that are doing that really well um, to create great experiences for the customers. And um, I think because of my background in, in tech, I'm also passionate about the tech and trying to figure out how do we merge these two together? How do we scale things that should be scaled? And then how do we intentionally scale the unscalable things and have those one-on-one -on -one conversations, everything. But, you know, with Better Way Health, some of it was, was by accident. Um, when I came into the business, literally it was like, they weren't doing anything besides they were recommended. The product was recommended in a book that a famous author wrote. And he was like, Hey, if I could only take one supplement, this is the product that I would buy. And here's these people call them up and here's their phone number in the book. And so there was like no marketing. It was just answering the phone all day long, you know, tons of new customers calling from this book. And so I think I just kind of inherited some of that. Uh, when I, when I came into the business, it was like, Oh, like this is different. It's e-commerce, but we do a lot of phone orders. And so we've just kept that, you know, that same thing um, throughout. We've certainly improved a ton on the, the technology side and the e-commerce side. Um, but we've never lost that, um, you know, that that's kind of baked into our culture is we'd love for customers to call. We love to talk to customers um, and we can have those one-on-one -on -one conversations with them. And we've created an extremely loyal, you know, fan base through that. You were able to dig up a couple stats on, uh, on your phone support. And if you yeah. can actually get people on the phone and talk through people uh, or talk through the product and actually get people talking rather than just having them place an order your average order value and your lifetime value, both, I don't want to use the word, you know, liberally, but they kind of skyrocket. Like they go way up. Yeah. How, how is that possible? Is that, is that intentional? And you kind of said you, you accidentally found phone support. Yeah. Uh, 
the easy stat is just say they're doubled. You know, our average order value goes from like $150 online for a customer. But if we can get them on the phone and talk to them, that goes up to like 330. Wow. Um, lifetime value is, is tripled, you know, with, with customers that we can get onto the phone. Uh, we do sell a technical product. Um, so there is a good bit to learn about, you know, about beta glucan setting expectations and dosage and all those things. So if you get those right, the product is so good and it works that customers, you know, stay on it for life. I mean, we have just literally hundreds, if not thousands of customers that have been with us 10, 15 years, um, still taking the product. So the product itself is phenomenal. So it, it inherently is, is very sticky. Um, but there is some education on that, you know, to get, to make sure that customers have the, all that information. So it, we, we certainly have that information on our website, but most people don't like to read. Right. You know, they're like, oh, somebody told me to buy this, or I've heard this one's good, and this one checks out. So they're, you know, they buy the product and they'll go online, and they may not stay on as, you know, as long as somebody that we can get on the phone and really educate. And then they see that, hey, we're, you know, a U.S. company, and we are shipping, and here's the reason why we do this, and here's the stuff behind the product, and you know, we just build that relationship with them. So there's trust, and uh, and people stay on it. I think you also have an added benefit. There's, there's a lot of these new D2C companies that are popping up and they're, you know, maybe a year, maybe two years old. When you're around for 22 years, you have the yeah. opportunity to have a lot longer of a lifetime value because just purely your lifetime is longer. So yes. added benefit there. Yeah. So Reggie, I know you're the number one rated supplement company on Trustpilot. What are some of the things you do inside the company to contribute to that culture? Yeah, thanks. I, that's something that I'm really proud of, love to talk about. You know, we've got thousands of, five-star reviews on Trustpilot. Uh, the crazy thing is that we actually didn't even start collecting reviews until like three years ago. So been in business, wow. yeah, 21 years, didn't even start because there's a lot of issues in the supplement world, like FDA concerns and regulations. So even with customer reviews, if they start writing in about the product and what it did, uh, we can't publish those on our website. So it wasn't until we discovered Trustpilot that we figured uh, that we were able to take down our best reviews, which is kind of crazy, right? Like it's so opposite of being like, hey, this is actually an FDA violation. We're not allowed to publish this. Um, and we were able to only publish those that were in good standing on the website. So Trustpilot kind of gave us the ability to do that. So I love that part of it, but I also think about all the time, like, man, if we would have been collecting reviews for the last 21 years, we would have so many more than, you know, the, the 3000 that we, um, that we have now, but it is, it is a huge part of our company. I mean, we literally like up on the walls in the office, we have printed out reviews from the customers and in our customer service office, like they have a review that specifically a customer wrote in and mentioned their name. So like their name's big up there. And it's like, I had an incredible experience with Michelle and she's the best and da, 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 da. so they see that on the walls. Um, but even like the decor in our office really is like trust pilot reviews that have come in, which we love. And, um, and do you share those like, like daily or monthly, whatever it is, like yeah. how, do you, how do you get those reviews across to everyone? Yeah. So a couple different ways. Cause those are, for us, it's like oxygen. Uh, that's like just totally. pouring pouring gas into the machine for all of us yeah. to stay motivated to do this. It's like, oh, that's why we do it. That's why we do it when the customers call in and are like, you guys are the best, you know, customer service I've ever experienced. So we uh, daily, we have a stand-up meeting uh, every morning at 1045. And the very first thing we do is what we call wow stories. Like, hey, um, we our goal is to make the customer go, wow, like this is a great experience. And so uh, every single day there'll be several 
wow stories from the day before that we'll all share with each other and be like, Hey, I talked to this person or this person wrote it and said this, this person had this experience. And so there's never a day that goes by that we don't have just these incredible, amazing experiences that kind of get everybody fired up um, and relate to it. And we, we actually took the wow story moment from the Ritz Carlton. So I think uh, when you think of great customer experience, um, one of the first companies that pops in is like Ritz Carlton who trained Mercedes, trained Chick-fil-A, trained all these like really good brands and so a couple of years ago, I actually took our team um, to a leadership conference by the Ritz-Carlton. So we were trained by their team on how they do stuff and got to kind of see some of the inside. So we implemented a lot of those things into the business. And one of those is just sharing those customer stories um, every single every single day. And uh, they also push into Slack. So as soon as a review comes in, you know, everybody's seeing it in, uh, inside of Slack and then we, we do like rewards and stuff based off of if their names get mentioned and um, or if it, you know, different things that we turn into kind of a fun, encouraging game for all of our team. I love the recognition piece that you, uh, you may end up running out of time on those standups at some point because you got too many of those wow moments. <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely. I, I want to dig into, into this idea of scalability and unscalability. Um, you sure. mentioned that right at the top when you were talking about customer service. Um, what, what in your customer service approach and in your company's approach is scalable and how does, how does that translate to things? Cause I know that like you could just hire a bunch of phone support people and have them sit on phones all day. Like that is kind of scalable, but like, what's the model for scalability first? And we'll do on scalability after this. Sure. So some of the things that we've built, uh, for scalability, uh, our training program, you know, when we hire a new customer's support person, they go through an automated, you know, system that we're using a combination of like Confluence and Trello and everything to onboard them and train them on the product. Um, and since we really focus on beta glucan, it is, you know, um, quicker. So that, that piece is scalable. Uh, we use a lot of automations and triggers and flows with Zendesk. We run Zendesk through the phone up as well as all our customer support tickets. So we use a lot of that stuff. You know, we trigger things like, you know, after 30 days, if somebody signed up for a subscription and, you know, we, and we call every single person that signs up for a subscription after a certain amount of time, customer support just gets a, you know, automated flow and they get a ticket. Hey, call this person. Um, when stuff drops off, uh, our customer support team can uh, call them. Like if somebody hasn't ordered in a certain amount of time um, and has multiple orders. So there's a lot of workflows and things that we've built in here um, using those systems um, that is scalable. We're using uh, Recharge SMS, you know, as well for our subscription program, which is great because um, people can literally just, you know, text automatically one to bump it back, two to, uh, you know, two to, to cancel or move it or something like that. Um, so, which is awesome. Uh, we use uh, ARPU for our emails uh, that we automatically send out to people a couple of days before they renew so they can add stuff to their, their cart. Um, or they can bump back their subscription a few days if they have extra product and things like that. So there's a lot of tech that we've put in the middle um, that can scale to, you know, infinite amounts. Now let's go to the arguably the fun one. These are the ones that I like to talk about, the, the unscalability piece of this. Because I think this is where companies tend to kind of fall off the map a little bit. You know, the, everybody's trying to scale, everyone's trying to automate and wow. you know, less costs, more value, all that kind of stuff. How do you keep track of the of the unscalable things and how do you continue to kind of scale the unscalable things while also like not putting so much time and spending so many resources on, you know, whatever's unscalable. Yeah. And uh, so there's definitely some unscalable things that we do 
and usually those are a lot harder to measure in my opinion you know the the direct value of like i could just log in and see how many people have you know bumped back their subscription using our sms or you know but um we do things like you know if um we call a customer if somebody's you know sick or if you know someone's you know dog passed away i mean like our customer service team will write them a card and send it to their house um like that's unscalable right um but we do things like that because we legitimately care about that that customer we take notes on everybody's order you know and and when they're calling in and they're telling us things about their family their daughter their you know their cat their dog whatever all that that document that's all documented inside of zendesk so the next customer service rep when they call has that context. Those are, those are things. Um, I mentioned earlier, you know, everybody that signs up for a subscription, uh, we call them that's, and make sure that they're on the right dosage. They understand the product. You know, they know who we are. A lot of times people will come and be like, Oh, my doctor, you know, that happens all the time. Like my doctor just told me to get this. And they may have told the doctor may have told them to get three or four things. And they just like, forget, you know, what, what they even bought, and so that's, that's somebody that's like primed to probably cancel the product and the subscription in a couple of months. But if we can reach out and talk to them and, you know, have that personal touch and explain to them what, like what this is for, da, 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 then, you know, we can really extend the customer lifetime value and make that churn rate better. So those are things that are unscalable, but we personally love doing them and it's making a huge difference in our frequency. So the, the word that you're describing and, you know, the philosophy that you're describing that we haven't really touched on is just retention, which is yeah. such a key for, for subscription brands and really kind of any, any DC brand, but retention is obviously so much huge, so much bigger for subscription because you can acquire customers one over two over three or four month over month, as long as you want, but the lifetime value is what you're really looking at. So being able to extend them an extra month, I think your example of, of having a doctor prescribe it and them just buying one is, is absolutely spot on for this, this field and this vertical. Like how many times do you get a doctor's note and you can barely understand what they're even writing? So they go by one of them and then you, you take the pills for a month and you're done. Like yeah. that's, that's prime for like, let's make sure you understand this. Let's make sure you're on this for, for the health benefits and not just for buying this and trying to extend our AOV for one month. Exactly. Yeah. Super cool. Love to hear that. Um, other thing I wanted to touch on here is headless. I know you just launched a new headless site on recharge. Um, can you talk through the logistics? Why did you decide that? What are, what are some of the benefits you're looking to get out of that? Yeah. So we're really excited. I think we're T minus one week away from launching. It's been about a five month project, uh, going headless on Shopify. So, um, we had talked about it last year, you know, going headless, uh, it's expensive. Usually a lot of, you know, agencies we looked at, were wanting to charge like, you know, absurd amounts of money, um, to build something. Uh, it's one of those things that's a buzzword that a lot of people are throwing around and, uh, it's still kind of new. So people are, are, uh, doing it different ways and there's not, you know, standardization for it yet. But, um, we looked at it and decided like, okay, not yet. Um, but this year, you know, Google made some really big changes to their algorithm. They're looking, you know, mobile first now and indexing the sites, uh, mobile first. And then page speed is just becoming more and more and more of a factor, so um, rumor on the street is that, you know, by this time next year, Google is going to be mobile only, not even looking at, you know, desktop sites um, and their factors. So mobile experience is a huge deal and uh, speed is really plays into that as a huge deal. So those were two of the main reasons that we decided to go 
Um, and, and we're like, all right, we're going to do it this year. And we're going to go headless looking at analytics. When we started to see our organic traffic drop uh, in the last five or six months, we've lost like 75% of our organic traffic, which is just crazy. Wow. Um, and you look in our search console and you look at analytics and it's very clear. It's like, Hey, the mobile experience and the page speed. And so building stuff on top of Shopify, I, you know, I love Shopify. It's so good at so many things, but their uh, editor and building pages on it is just, it's terrible. So um, looking for another platform where we can really decouple front end and back end and have complete control over the front end experience and not manage that in Shopify using Shopify for the, you know, the back end and the 3PL and all the things that it does exceptionally well. Um, we just like, this is, this is the way to go. And we, we really need to focus on that, that speed. I should get a buzzer for every time I have a conversation with someone that anytime someone says decoupled, I can just hit it and have some confetti come through or whatever. That seems That's to be the, the buzzword. Uh, uh, yeah, the buzzword uh, among headless is, is decoupled. That's always an entertaining okay. one. See, see who says that. I think I picked that up, I'm sure, from talking to 10 developers about it. So <laughs> yeah. That sounds about right. Yeah. Um, chat on your website, I know, is another thing. Is is that something that plays into your headless decision, or is that just something you've always had you just want to double down on? That's something that we've had for a long time. That's you know also a part of our, our Zendesk integration. And um, yeah, I mean, people people love to chat in. Uh, it's kind of the, the in-between, you know, you've got your people that are the online shoppers that want to just kind of do everything themselves, don't want to talk to anybody. Then you have people that, you know, typically the older demographic that loves to call in and talk with our team um, and talk to somebody and answer everything. Then you kind of have that in-between that's like, I don't ever want to call in and talk to somebody on the phone, uh, but I'll chat with them, you know, because it's just like while I'm at work or while I'm doing something else, I can kind of, you know, just text in and ask my question, hey, is this the right product for da 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 or, you know, where's my order or something like that. Um, so we do a lot, you know, our, our same customer service team obviously manages all those chats and uh, we do a lot, a lot through there. It's great for answering just like really quick questions that people have. Do you find that the, the chat is more of like middle to bottom of the funnel? Um, I think you explained it really well. Like the people who just want to come in and buy stuff, they're not going to chat. The certain demographic wants to just take the phone calls but the ones who, who chat are usually pretty bought in. They just have some sort of clarity question or dosage or whatever it is. They're kind of like that middle bottom of funnel. I think you nailed it with that. Yeah. Yeah. They just have like one or two reservations or things mm -hmm. that they just want to make sure of before they, they pull the trigger. The final push over the hump is all they need to, to yeah. get going. Yeah. Gotcha. So, and chat's a great way to just kind of meet people where they're at and what they're comfortable with and, and get them that, that quick question answered so that they can make that decision. And then how about social media? I know that social media kind of goes hand in hand with support and with this customer service idea. Um, what's your approach there? Yeah, so we do um, heavy, heavy on Facebook with not only just ads, but with a ton of customer support through Facebook. So um, that that nicely integrates into Zendesk. So everything's kind of coming in through there. Um, but we get a lot of people on Facebook that are either responding to our ad or responding to a post that we put out. And, uh, and they'll, you know, they'll just ask questions or they'll make a comment on some, you know, something. And so, um, our team stays on those and it's real active, you know, uh, on Facebook to make sure we get questions that people have answered, uh, through there or that, um, anything that's maybe posted by somebody else that's inaccurate, uh, that we can make sure that we kind of go in there and, and correct that. Uh, I can't tell you how many companies I see on, 
Facebook, you know, that people are commenting and talking about stuff or asking questions that just never gets responded to because that, you know, even if it's in like comments of something that the company never jumps in and responds to. And I'm like, man, that's not only that one person that you could have converted into a sale, but then hundreds of other people go back through there and see those comments. Right. And they're like, Oh, this company is active. They're responding and, and they care. And now we start to come full circle talking through community again. Like that's, that's another great way to build your community is takes a lot, takes a lot off of you. A lot of your support team is, you know, monitoring social channels now and monitoring Facebook instead of just living in Zendesk. But yeah. some of those comments that come through, like you said, hundreds, if not thousands of people are seeing your answers to those comments and questions yeah. and everyone's going to have the same questions at some point. Yes. Yeah. All right, Reggie, moving to rapid fire questions. You ready for the finale? Yes, I'm ready. Let's do it. All right. What is a piece of advice you'd offer to a brand who's just starting out and trying to get off the ground and start their growth? Oh man. Uh, so if you're just starting out uh, with your brand, especially if you're going to go subscription, I would say you definitely need to treat your subscribers like they're VIP, um, no matter what they're subscribing to. But in the beginning, man, get as much information as you can and feedback from your customers, whether that's jumping on the phone with them or surveys. Um, if you're in the beginning, you, you may not have as, as many customers. You can still, you can, you can jump on the phone with a lot of those customers, right. And, um, or email them or hit them up on social media and get information, you know, flowing back and forth. So you can learn from those beginning customers as you develop your product, but treat them like, you know, uh, absolute VIP, give them first access to everything because a lot of times those are going to be your champions. Those are people that are looking for the product that you have and you're going to learn a ton about your, your offer, um, from them. And, uh, so if you treat them that way, uh, naturally they're probably going to go out and tell, you know, other people as well. Um, but you're really going to learn and, and tweak through stuff. One of the exercises that I love to do is, um, in, in any brand that's just starting off, I think should, should put a lot of consideration into this, but like, if you, if you had to 10 X your price of your product tomorrow. Um, so if you, if you sold a $40 product and you were like, Oh, it's going to be 400 tomorrow, what would you do differently to sell people and persuade them on why it's worth $400? And if you can, if you can do that and you can think through that and be like, what would make this worth $400? What other things do we need to add in there? You know, is it, uh, something that we need to add in addition or, you know, think through the packaging, what's that experience like, uh, when they open that up, like that entire process of what would make this thing worth 10 times the value. And you can add a lot of those things to your, you know, to your normal price. And, you know, you've, you've got something really special. That's a really good one. I've never heard this 10 X price theory. That's really, really good. <laughs> it, it's, it's something that'll really mess with your head sometimes too. You're like, especially once you get used to selling this at a certain price, you're like, nobody would ever pay that much. And then you're like, but if it was, how would we still sell people on that? Right. Like how could I convince somebody to buy my product for 500, 600, $700 rather than 50 or 60 bucks. Totally. One of the, one of the other interesting things you mentioned was, um, treating your, your customers like VIPs, treating your, your subscribers like VIPs. I think a lot of times what people assume is that customers will either come in and take one of two roads. They'll either be one-time buyers forever, or they will jump right into a subscription and, and stick on your subscription forever. There's a large amount of people, me included, a lot of times for subscribers, you'll buy the product once or twice or three or four times before you finally pivot over and do a subscription. So having that extra touch and at that extra level, and like you said, getting on the phone with people, 
just maybe not very scalable for every brand, but that's something that could actually increase average order value, move you over to the subscription side. And all of a sudden lifetime value goes way up. Yeah, that's a great point. I think it's sometimes it's hard for entrepreneurs and business owners to like split <laughs> to decouple our business owner self from our consumer self and realize like, Oh, well, it's my brand. Either people are going to go do this, this in your own business, but you realize like the way that I consume things is I'll probably try it a few times before I subscribe to this thing. And so there's, there's tremendous opportunity with your first time buyers to go convert them back to subscriptions. Yep. Quick side story at a previous company. I would always have uh, my parents or friends or family who are less technical than I am run through checkouts or run through, you know, UI UX builds or whatever it ends up being. Cause you always think when you sit down, okay, they're either going to do this or going to do this, but there's yep. 10 different ways that they could get from point A to B. It's always interesting to see what real customers will do on a site rather than just what you think. Yeah. Yeah. I know that it's, it's so true. And there's a lot of great websites you can go and like you do user testing and watch people, um, and pay, you know, pay for people to like go through your stuff and watch. And it is wild to be like, no, 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 don't, why are you clicking there? Like, what are you doing? And then after you see like four people go over there and click on it and you're like, okay, what did I, you know, what did I do wrong? But when I had a user testing class actually in school and we used to like sit in a, a room, like a police interrogation, you know, with a window and then have people in the other room, like going through our stuff and you're watching them and then there's like a camera on them filming them. And it was always the, the case where you're like, why would anybody use this thing like that? And then you realize like a bunch of people are using it or this is like what people do. So yeah. it, it's funny to, to release your stuff to the wild and figure out that not everybody thinks like you. It's design error in the first place. It's not user error. <laughs> We're yeah. doing a terrible job at this rapid fire thing, which is okay. Cause I think there's some really good content here, but let's flip the script. So let's say a brand is already established. They're growing. They're here. They're hitting a point where they're plateauing a little bit. What's a, a couple pieces of advice you could give to maybe get over those plateaus, get up to uh, more subscribers, more uh, higher LTV, higher average order value. Yeah, that's a good point. So I think at that point where you really start to scale, um, or want to want to scale at your plateaus, uh, you need to be thinking about some integrations. Um, if you're using Recharge, there are some, you know, obviously it integrates with Clavio. You need to be thinking about segmenting those people out, um, figuring out where those people are dropping off or why they're dropping off, um, looking at SMS. Uh, I think just making it super simple um, with some of that technology for people to push back their subscription, uh, you know, or pause it or skip one or, you know, change it to another date, add something, take away something um, that really, really helps with uh, that LTV for customers. Because, uh, you know, I, I think about a lot of the times, like if you have a thousand subscribers, it's a lot cheaper usually to get to double the, the frequency of the retention than it is to go get another thousand subscribers. So if you can extend somebody from you know three months to six months, that's usually easier and cheaper than going out and adding an additional thousand you know subs. And then when you do go out and add those additional thousand subs, you've doubled your you know you've doubled your money when you do. So thinking about it kind of in those two perspectives, if you if you if you've scaled and you've hit a plateau, um, that's a advertising or a traffic you know inbound plateau then you may want to sit down and, and focus really on extending out that, um, that the LTV, uh, the frequency, then also looking at AOV, recommending upsells, you know, um, and increasing AOV. Those are all three ways that you can, you can really scale your recurring revenue um, without even, 
you know, looking at, at more traffic. So I think putting some of those integrations to work and, and helping people, you know, where they're at. Uh, another thing, another huge thing for our business is referrals. Um, you know, if you have a product that you're selling that people aren't getting and telling other people about, I think you have to sit down and really have a hard conversation with yourself about like, does my product suck? Um, because why are people not telling other people? And so there are some great ways uh, and integrations with recharge where you can immediately integrate, like, you know, refer a friend and they get discounts and you get discounts. Um, lots of things that you can do there to encourage those referrals, uh, which are great, but that's, that's, those are typically the best and the cheapest customers you're ever going to get. So really focusing on that referral thing. And again, if customers aren't referring, then there's probably something broken in that customer experience or the, or the product. You said my favorite thing in there, which is essentially retention is more important than acquisition, which to be clear, like neither doubling your customer's average lifetime span or going out and, and doubling your subscriber base, neither of those are easy to do, but I'm, I'm such a huge advocate that your subscribers are your subscribers for a reason and doubling down on them. If you didn't acquire a single customer, maybe this is another good one. Maybe your, your 10 X price rule this is another good one. If you never acquired another customer in your company's lifespan, how could you continue to make revenue? And it's doubling down on your existing subscribers. Yeah. How do you make sure they stick around and keep buying month after month? That's a great, that's a great one um, to think about too. I, I think also about like, um, if there's one, if you could only sell to one more customer, what would you, what would that, what would you give that customer experience? Like in the history, you're like, okay, the rest of my business has to be grown off of this one customer. And I can only do that. Like, what would you do for them? what would the experience be like in the box? You know, how would you reach out to them to be like, I'm only my entire future, my business banks on this person going out and referring people. How would you treat them? I love that. I love that. We got to do a second podcast of like all of these theoretical questions to be asking everyone <laughs> on how to, how to build your business based off of one person. Yeah. They're great to talk about in a podcast. And then you get back to the office and it's like emails and fires and all this stuff. <laughs> and then you're like, I, I dream about one day really being able to put the time into, you know, thinking through all these things. But I do think about them at night sometimes, or, you know, in the shower or something, you start thinking like through all these, uh, these yep. theoretical things that you're like, this is how I should, this is the true way to grow your business. Love it. Last question for you. What do you subscribe to? Um, physical products. Sure. Okay. Other than the Netflix and the Hulu's and all that. Yeah. I mean, everyone, everyone's yeah. got all those. Yeah. What are physical products? you subscribe to? Yeah. Look at my software subscriptions for the business and for 400 different things. Um, oh, yeah. personally, um, oh, man, I'm, uh, it's tough for me to answer this question because there's a lot of stuff I subscribe to just to hack their funnels and see how they're treating their subscribers. And I pick up stuff all the time. I'm like, Oh, that's a really cool experience. That's a really cool one. And I'm always looking at like their tech stack and like, are they on recharge? Are they using? So a lot of times I'm, I'm looking for uh, ways that they're doing so we can improve on our side um, to borrow ethically borrow those ideas from them. Um, but I, uh, I subscribe to uh, that. I use uh, toilet paper, the who gives a crap brand. Love it. Yeah. The bamboo toilet paper. That's a good one. Um, native deodorant. They were one of the first brands that uh, I was like, man, their, their whole checkout experience and their subscription experience and all that stuff. And I knew they were using recharge as well. That was really well done. And so then I tried the product and just have been on it for years. Uh, great yep. product. And then um, 
I subscribe to a brand called My Green Fills, which is a non-toxic uh, laundry detergent. And so they send you actually a powder every month and you pour that into a jug and put water and mix it up. So you save the world because you only use one jug. And um, you also just have like, you know, really good for you, much better without all the toxic chemical laundry detergent delivered to your door. So love it. Yeah. Yeah. Those are some of them. Awesome. Reggie, thank you so much for joining us. Love the episode. Pleasure to have you. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. We'd like to thank Reggie once again for joining us. If you're interested in Better Way Health, you can head over to betterwayhealth.com. If you're looking for more of our episodes, check us out at rechargepayments.com slash hit subscribe. And to get the latest episodes, remember to hit subscribe on whatever platform you're listening from. 